Hey everybody, before we kick off the Halloween festivities, just wanted to give a couple of announcements up top since at the time I recorded this episode, I wasn't sure entirely what the schedule would be. So I'm really happy to announce that after uh, covering It's the Great Pumpkin, Charlie Brown, with uh, with our pal Rich Baker, coming up next is Resident Evil 4 with uh, returning guest Ken Cole. After that is Sweeney Todd, the Demon Barber of Fleet Street with guest Lauren Flans followed by uh, an episode all about tabletop horror board gaming with uh, our friend Dan Oster. And finally, assuming uh, the strikes are over by the end of the month, which uh, I'm optimistic that's going to happen, we'll be doing an episode (laughs) closing out Halloween on the Rocky Horror Picture Show with uh, guest Shakina Nafak. So I'm really excited about all of that. And if indeed the strikes are over, that means those will be followed up by the episodes on Muppet Treasure Island and Batman 89 that I've been holding on to uh, and wasn't going to release while strikes were happening. But uh, again, uh, with the writer strike over, we're figuring the actors aren't too far behind. So anyway, that's coming up uh, next. If you got thoughts on those things, send them our way. And uh, until uh, until I talk to you again, here comes It's the Great Pumpkin, Charlie Brown. See you soon. Hello, and welcome to Nostalgia Marcana. I'm your host, Doug Leaf. Each episode of this podcast, we'll look back on the movies, TV, games, people, and phenomena that we still love talking about all these years later, and ask ourselves why these bits of pop culture still enchant us today. This week, we'll be revisiting... listening to this podcast because this podcast is the most sincere so we are very likely to get a visit tonight from the great pumpkin that of course is our topic it's the great pumpkin charlie brown and that means a couple of things one this means i've been doing this podcast for over a year now which is insane to me that we've uh, made it that far so in the interest of sincerity i just want to say Thank you to everyone who's who's been with us from the beginning, who just joined us and is listening. Um, it really means a lot. This has been a uh, just a fun experiment to do, and I, I'm glad it's been um, it's been going the way it's been going, man. It's just it's great to have you all listening, and uh, I didn't think I'd be able to keep it up this long, and, and I don't know how long it'll go, but it's showing no signs of stopping. So uh, thanks again, everybody, for for sticking with us for a year. Or so uh, because it's our uh, anniversary. It's our 53rd episode, and that means we are back in Halloween Town uh, to do a month of spooky stuff. And of course, with me, I'm not doing this alone. I have uh, one of our most frequent contributors, and uh, this was his pick. So please welcome back to the podcast, my sweet baboo, Rich Baker. 
Honored to be back as always, Doug. And just a huge shout out to, to the year of doing these. Uh, I've listened to almost every one of them, I think. And I remember listening to your first, uh, I remember listening to like the Treehouse of Horror one, like at an airport or whatever. And just like, like, oh man, I really love this podcast. This is really cool. And I'm so cool to see it a, a, a mature a year. Yeah, yeah, man. I, and uh, huge thanks to you for, for joining us because you've been on like a third of the episode. So this podcast wouldn't exist without you, buddy. Um, honored, honored. So, Rich, uh, this was your pick, uh, and uh, so tell me about your nostalgic memories of It's the Great Pumpkin, Charlie Brown. I don't remember a Halloween where I didn't watch this. I mean, I don't know what age I was when I first saw it, but I mean, I was I was pretty big into Peanuts growing up, and we had like a bunch of like the, the books, you know, like the big uh, like children's books, and of course read the comics, um, and you know, I love I love uh, the Merry Christmas, Charlie Brown. But to, to me, this one has just always been my favorite. I, I do like Halloween more than any other holiday. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I watch it every year. And, and it's just, I, I doubt that will ever change. It is the quintessential Halloween special. And it really is, I think, one of the first, um, yeah. if not the first. And you mentioned the Christmas one. That is the first Peanuts special that was done. And that was a huge success. Uh, it was followed up by one that was like a modest success. It was like sports related. And so there was yeah, all stars, something yeah. like that. And so there was pressure you know, to have another hit and said, let's do another holiday. And it's kind of hard for us to even conceive of this now that like because Halloween is such an enormous holiday. It's my favorite holiday as well. Yeah. And yeah. it's such a huge part of my childhood and every child you know, growing up since we were kids. But in the 1960s, when this came out, Halloween was still more of a, a novelty. Like it's a, you know, it's a B tier holiday at that point. And this is one of the, yeah. this kind of helped change that. Yeah, it was, uh, you know, they, they, you got to give them uh, credit for the guts when they said, all right, we're going to do a holiday special. We're going to pick Halloween. As you said at the time, you know, the, the networks didn't consider, they didn't have Halloween specials. Like it wasn't considered a big enough holiday for that. So the fact that they were going to, they knew they had to bet big on this, as you said, if it wasn't a success, they might not have made any other Peanuts cartoons, which is kind of insane to think looking at it from 2023. But uh, yeah, so they, they took a chance on a, a holiday that wasn't big and they they nailed it. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, just like you, I watched this growing up. It was, it's just like, it was always there. Like it's a ritual, just like any yeah. other part of the holiday is watching this thing. And I, you know, I was never the biggest fan of the peanuts. I read it every day cause I was reading the comics page, but as I've discussed on recent episodes, like my favorite comics were uh, Calvin and Hobbes, the far side and Bloom County. So those were the ones that sure. I was really attracted to the comics page for. And this was there and like, you know, it was fine. It wasn't, it wasn't my favorite. Yeah. It's not, it, it has a much more, uh, it's a much milder flavor than those other comics are. And so it's, it's a much because of that kind of gentle humor, I think I didn't get it as a kid kind of going back to it as an adult. You can see there is like a hint of an edge there. The way Charles Schultz has these kids sort of talk about more worldly things that are beyond their years. And I think that's yeah. probably what's been kind of the secret to the peanuts is longevity. Yeah. And I mean, I'm a huge South Park fan and you know, they, they've said many times that South Park was like, we, what if peanuts was, was like r-rated right and it's like uh just because it it impacted so many people and so many artists i mean how many people have referenced particularly this special but merry christmas charlie brown and, and others as well i mean it's just like it's 
the ramifications uh, is is huge, and I think is a big part of it was that you know it's all children, but children who are kind of talking like adults, and without adults except for the occasional wah, 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 which is uh that's not even in this special there's no adults nope. this is a a world that has it's either without adults or some kind of disaster has happened uh, and these children are all fending for themselves but they are so well sketched in terms of their personality traits that it's like, oh, yeah, if you talk about a Linus or, you know, Peppermint Patty or, or any of these characters who actually Peppermint Patty's not even in this either. But all of those characters, you instantly know, like, OK, I know their deal. I know their point of view as a, as a character. Yeah. Yeah. Very si- similar to Winnie the Pooh and Fires. It's like every character has a, a very defined personality. Do you have a penis character that's like your favorite? Oh, uh, I mean, it's Snoopy. Like I'm basic. It's Snoopy. <laughs> you know, it's ever, a lot of people's favorite. He's hard not to like. He is the most uh, mischievous is the right word, but like he's certainly the most interesting. I think um, he's even without being able to really talk, he he kind of has the most personality. Yeah, uh, and I mean, I think you know it's, it's because he can't talk. Like they had to get more creative with him visually and whatnot. And I just, I mean, you know, it, also growing up, you know, like uh, Snoopy was big in the eighties too. And he was on lots of things, Joe cool and flash beagle and all this stuff. So, you know, he's, he's just always had a warm place in my heart. Do you have a favorite character? Huh? Um, you know, well, obviously yeah, Snoopy is an easy choice, but I do like Linus a whole lot. I think his sort of being, Sometimes he's sort of the wiser one, and or in this case here, he's the more naive one. They kind of can do with him what they feel like. But he, he's the one who feels the most childlike to me in a lot of ways. Like there, a lot of them, peanuts sort of seem to be like they're, they're adults that are kid size. Linus is more yeah. of like he is a kid trying to be an adult. And so I, I sort of appreciate yeah. that about him. And yet he's also kind of, you know, capable in some ways, right? Like when he can't mail the letter and he's like, oh, yes, I can. Snaps his towel and, you know, he's like, I, I got this. Yeah, he certainly has a level of, of competency. And he, he's, he, and especially here, he's capable of exuding more competency than he actually has, right? He, yeah. he's, uh, you know, he's trying to act like he's this big expert on the, on the great pumpkin. And he seduces Sally to the dark side briefly. Um, because of that. Getting back to this individual special, though, I think this one's probably the strongest, um, not only because Hall- so. Halloween is the most, you know, I, I think interesting holiday they could have picked, but it has the, it kind of has all of the stuff you'd want in a Peanuts special. It has certain recurring bits that are out of the comics that yeah. they do. Um, and it kind of has the strongest, it has a stronger theme that's more, in a way, more Christmas related than it would be if it was actually a Christmas special. Yeah. It's the ultimate Halloween special in that it's a, a satire of a Christmas special. <laughs> totally. And it's, and it's accessible to anyone. I've watched it with my kids a handful of times. They, yeah. they seem to like it. Uh, and there's something, it's like. It's that it, perfect expression of what the peanuts kind of are in an animated form. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I mean, I, I, I yeah, I, I'd say that this is definitely my favorite version of Peanuts, you know, whether it's TV or comics or anything like this is this is my quintessential. Like if I'm going to show you one, if you've never heard of Peanuts before, this is what I'm going to show you. 
I think that's right. Yeah, I th- I think yeah. If you were to show someone one Peanuts related thing to get across the idea of what this franchise is, it would be this special. And uh, I think you know they've done plenty of Peanuts stuff since this. I don't think they've ever bettered it, which is amazing given no. that it's a you know it's not even a half an hour long, really. Twenty five minutes, yeah. <laughs> solid twenty five minutes, and parts of even stretches of that are without any dialogue. Um, you know, it's, yeah. but it's perfectly paced for what it is meant to be. It also, I think, uh, the, the music in it is so good. Like this, this really helped establish the peanuts musical identity, not just because of its use of the Linus and Lucy. That's the theme by, uh, Vince. Would you believe I put it at the beginning of this episode when I edit it together? Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's the Peanuts like theme song by a jazz musician named Vince Guaraldi. Uh, it, by far his most famous piece. But like, it's not just that piece. It's the whole kind of like jazzy Halloween score of the thing is actually like really, it, it just hits that, it, it fits the piece so well. <laughs> To me, the, the you know the, the whole thing's good, but the three, the holy trinity for me of this is the colors, the sound, and the voice acting. I think those three things are just stellar. And the voice acting is amazing because they're all real, just children that they have doing yeah. this, and they're perfect. Yes, and it was so weird for me growing up to like watch this and the Christmas special, which I think the only voice difference in this is Lucy was recast but everyone else was the same and then f- later specials different voices i'm like why did they change the voices oh because the kids grew up and they needed new kids <laughs> yeah yeah but i will say they do a, usually do a good job of finding kids who sound like kind of these template kids that started it in the 60s yeah it's pretty good you know i mean this cast you know clearly it's uh it's i think it's the best uh, and everyone else is like you know good a good attempt yeah uh, and that goes down to uh, there's only one adult in the cast, and that is Bill Melendez, who is the director. Uh, he's also the voice of Snoopy. They but they speed his voice up as he sort of makes these different kind of like yelps and, and noises. Bill Melendez, just to say a few cool things about him, so he got his start in animation with Disney. He actually went and saw Snow White in the theaters. Tell you you know time period we're dealing with 1939. He saw Snow White was blown away by it and said, hey, I'm going to go get a job at Disney Animation. And he worked on the next four Disney films. He worked on Pinocchio, Fantasia, wow. Dumbo, and Bambi. Um, he also spent some time working on Warner Brothers stuff. So dude had been around in animation circuits for a while. And I think that shows because, as yes, this animation is not that dazzling. It kind of fits. The Peanuts have a very simplistic art style. But there are flourishes yeah. of it, especially, like you said, in these kind of like watercolor backgrounds especially in these the the red baron um snoopy flying sequence that are yeah that you can tell they put a little more money into that to make it look special 
Yeah, and there's certain like camera angles and stuff, and like you know, as I said the comics are very, you know, it's almost always full body shots of the kids from head to toe kind of thing, and and like this, they kind of mess with that at certain times of like wider shots and and different things like that. Yeah, they they pull a few of these different tricks out of the bat, and made on a budget, by the way, of seventy six thousand dollars. Which I did some. Wow. I, well, I did the math, or not, I didn't do the math. I found a, a calculator online to tell me what is you know what is that at nineteen sixty six? What's seventy six thousand dollars worth today? Uh, it's about seven hundred ish, a little over seven hundred thousand dollars. So okay, still, wow. still not a lot for you know an, an animation budget for a, a TV. No. It was a twenty six minutes or so of animation. So done on a shoestring. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, isn't it funny, like, so many things are, like, not everything, obviously, but so many things that we've talked about in this podcast and so many other things of, like, budget constraints are often uh, embedded in the stories of these amazing works of art, especially film and animation, different things like that. Well, necessity is the mother of invention, right? There's always the, the that financial pressure of, like, okay, here's, you know, the, there, there's this gap between our resources and our imagination. How are we going to bridge that gap? And it's it, those, those always produce the most interesting things, which unfortunately is taken as an argument by the the money side yeah. of it to go like, well, we should give you less money then. And it's like, well, hold on, you can't, there's a, there's a limit to that. That's not the lesson. Yeah, the, the lesson is not, hey, let's give you even less money until you try to make something better with it. Like, no, 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 no. Give give artists the resources yeah. they need to create their vision. Uh, we say as this podcast continues while Hollywood's on strike. Uh, yeah. So anyway, pay your people. Yeah. All right, so let's uh, let's get into it. Um, so we open with um, Linus and Lucy. They are walking out to the pumpkin patch. Uh, the, Linus picks out a gigantic one, and they roll it home. Yeah, you're blasted right away with these beautiful watercolors with this great music, you know, no dialogue. And it's just them walking at first, but because it's so pretty and it sounds so good, it's like, I don't need there to be, like, anything happening. And then, you know, there's a few visual gags. The pumpkin's too heavy, can't get it up the thing. You know, he's always going to roll it. Oh, oh, that backfired, now it rolls over him, you know, that kind of stuff. It's like, it's it's cute, but again, it's just really gorgeous and sounds gorgeous. To me seeing this thing is like an announcement that autumn is here right you've got these like it's autumnal in terms of its look there's something about hearing that music which i again associate more with this special in particular than the peanuts franchise at large yeah um but yeah there's something about like and and we're watching it's a great pumpkin this is like it's fall for them it's halloween time for us um, so it is yeah. a great opening. And then I do like the joke at the end. This is probably my favorite joke in the whole thing, actually, is that <laughs> Lucy starts carving up this gigantic pumpkin and Linus's reaction is, you didn't tell me you were going to kill it. Yeah. And, you know, uh, yeah. Tells you where how he feels about pumpkins. Yeah. Uh, it's my second favorite joke, but we'll get to my first favorite joke a little bit later. But yeah, it's it's just like that's the first thing you hear is like, oh, you killed the pumpkin. It's like. Okay, fun. <laughs> yeah, and then we get this little thing that like should should be a title sequence. It, it almost you, you know because you think like, wait, what's happening? Because we see the kids and they're all in their Halloween costumes, trick or treat. But then they're like kind of running around in this sort of watercolor background, and then it just transitions to the the pumpkin patch with the words, "It's the Great Pumpkin, Charlie Brown," and kind of Snoopy or, or I'm sorry, a ghost uh, costume poking out from the side. Yeah, and you got the weird flute music that's kind of haunting, and uh, yeah, it's, I mean, it's, 
But what I wrote when I watched it was just trippy. Like 1966, man, trippy. It's groovy. Yeah, no question. Uh, <laughs> so um, we get into this kind of fall, more fall scene of uh, the Charlie Brown raking leaves. Raking leaves. Raking leaves. And uh, Linus decides he's going to go jump into the pile of leaves, which is like that's a recurring bit from the comic strip. Yeah. Um, yep. And he unfortunately makes the choice to jump into it with a big old wet lollipop. So. Yeah. Yeah. It's covered in leaves. And and then he just shares the wisdom. Never, never jump in leaves. You got a, got a wet sucker. Yeah. Uh, and then we immediately go to another peanut staple, which is Lucy saying, hey, Charlie Brown, you want to come kick this football? Maybe one of the best, like earliest versions of like a meme you know, the true yeah. meme and like a an idea that is repeated. Like this is such a metaphor of you know Lucy yank you know rope a doping poor Charlie Brown into once again <laughs> trying to kick this football that she's holding, only to have her yank it away at the last minute and he falls on his back. And it's funny, be, not because he falls on his back, but the lesson of like do you, do you not understand, poor Charlie, that she's going to do this to you every time. Every time, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, the bit here is that I si- it's a signed contract. And he's like, it is signed. Oh, my gosh, I'm finally going to kick the football. It's a signed document. Like, well, it wasn't. Yeah, it wasn't notarized. Say, Charlie Brown, I've got a football. How about practicing a few place kicks? I'll hold the ball, and you come running and kick it. Oh, brother. I don't mind your dishonesty half as much as I mind your opinion of me. You must think I'm stupid. Oh, come on, Charlie Brown. No. I'll hold it steady. No. Please. You just want me to come running up to kick that ball so you can pull it away and see me land flat on my back and kill myself. This time you can trust me. See? Here's a signed document testifying that I promise not to pull it away. It is signed. It's a signed document. I guess if you have a signed document in your possession, you can't go wrong. This year, I'm really going to kick that football. Ah! Peculiar thing about this document, it was never notarized. Mm, I guess should have checked that. Speaking as an attorney, it still should have held up if it was uh, if it was signed. That's good enough. You don't need it notarized. But uh, See, that's Lucy, good. Yeah, but Lucy, that's good to know. Lucy's not going to give a shit. So Lucy, <laughs> Lucy would breach that contract all day long. Uh, well, I'm no lawyer, but I, I think if a six year old signs a contract, it's probably not worth much anyway. Right? That's true. There's you can argue that there's not uh, uh, meeting of the minds for for that. Um, <laughs> But yeah, it, it, again, th- this is a bit they would do over and over again. But there's something so profound about this bit of like, how many of us have been Charlie Brown in this situation? Oh, yeah. So many times. Yeah. Even as adults. <laughs> and as the song says, why is everybody always picking on me? <laughs> um, so we get to Linus and he, he's writing his uh, Dear Santa letter, but to the Great Pumpkin. Dear Great Pumpkin, I'm looking forward to your arrival on Halloween night. I hope you will bring me lots of presents. 
Who are you writing to, Linus? This is the time of year to write to the Great Pumpkin. On Halloween night, the Great Pumpkin rises out of his pumpkin patch and flies through the air with his bag of toys for all the children. You must be crazy. When are you going to stop believing in something that isn't true? When you stop believing in that fellow with the red suit and the white beard who goes ho, ho, ho. We are obviously separated by denominational differences. Yep. <laughs> you know, as a kid, I never even questioned it because someone on TV is saying it, it must be true. That's what I believed. And, uh, but, you know, this is just a totally made up thing. Like, there's, you know, there's no lore of the Great Pumpkin. It's just Charles Schultz just, like, creating something. And, uh, and you're like, okay, we're in this world, there's at least one person who believes in this thing. Yeah, you wonder where was, like, ground zero for this. Like, who was the first person, was assumed, presumably the Van Pelts, the parents? told Linus this story yeah. like nobody else has heard of it no one else believes in it like I want to know where this comes from it almost feels like it's one of those bits that uh, Calvin and Hobbes bits where his dad tries to you know teach quote unquote teach Calvin something but it's bullshit yeah, and he's yeah, just yeah. kind of you know playing with him uh, I wonder if like Linus and Lucy's parents were like yeah yeah tell him the great pumpkin comes once a year sure yeah but Lucy never got that memo just just Linus Linus they're twins canonically right I didn't, I don't, I, I thought she was, I, I, I'm not going to swear about it. I thought he was the little brother, but I, I don't know. For some reason I thought that too, but then it seems like he and Charlie Brown are there and Lucy are all the same age somehow. They're kind of contemporaries, but regardless, like, yeah, there's something about like poor, poor, uh, sweet, naive Linus is going to believe this story. And I love that there's like, that we'll find, we'll hear Linus talk about it more later, but like. There's so much lore around the Great Pumpkin. All the, there's like lots of really good. Like if this is an improv scene and I was giving notes, I'd be like, "Man, there's a lot of good specifics <laughs> in here." Yeah, yeah. Uh, never talk religion, politics, or the Great Pumpkin because, like Charlie Brown, who's usually you know the butt of all the jokes, he even like snubs Linus for for doing for believing in this. Yeah, this is much more of a Linus story than it is a Charlie Brown story, even though he's in theory the the lead character. But sure. yeah, I do love that. Yeah, they talked about oh well, Santa gets more publicity, you know, and like but yeah, great pumpkin, you're the real deal, basically. And like even Snoopy, I think, laughs at him. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> later Snoopy's the one who you know, uh, uh, I guess catfishes him <laughs> or whatever the 1966 equivalent is. Yeah, and we also start to get a hint here of Sally's crush on Linus, which is really cute. Uh, and we'll pay huge dividends yeah. later. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, and then, then we get the scene where, you know, like, Lucy's like, what are you going to do? you going to mail it? You can't even reach the mailbox, bro. Like, and, well, that's the one reason why I thought she might be older is because she goes, and I'm not going to help you, like, that she could or something. I don't know. Maybe, maybe, yeah. Um, but, yeah, right, they walk out to the mailbox for Linus to mail this letter to the Great Pumpkin. He can't reach it, but with his trusty blanket that never leaves his side, uh, he uses it like Indiana Jones's whip and just whips open the mailbox and then tosses the letter, which like floats on the wind down into the mailbox. Yeah. It looks like almost like a magic trick. Like he like pushes it the other way and then the wind catches it and does like this. It's almost like a trick shot you'd see from like the uh, Harlem Globetrotters or something. Yeah. And it's a cute way of incorporating his blanket that's always around because in this comic strip, like he has it, but this is a chance for them to kind of make it like, yeah, he's so like, he and the blanket are bonded at a genetic level yeah. that it's now a superpower, <laughs> yeah. right? It's, you know, it's like a web for Spider-Man. 
Yeah, 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 yeah. Absolutely. And then, uh, and then we see Charlie Brown very excited because he got an invite to Violet's party With- until Lucy <laughs> shits all over. Until it. everyone got one. Yeah. Hey, I got an invitation to a Halloween party. Is the invitation to Violet's party, Charlie Brown? Yes, it's the first time I've ever been invited to a party. Charlie Brown, if you got an invitation, it was a mistake. There were two lists, Charlie Brown. One to invite and one not to invite. You must have been put on the wrong list. But Charlie Brown, I think he literally says, this is the first party I've ever been invited to. Which is pretty sad because, like, Linus is is his best friend, and you know Linus has had some birthdays. So yeah, yeah, uh, that's rough. Like they they definitely like. Yeah. It's it has such a sweet tone, you kind of forget. But like, man, they really shit all over Charlie. They were <laughs> like hardcore. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so then they're making costumes, and we get. I, I love I love Lucy's line in here because she's making you know she's putting on a witch costume, and she says something about how you need to have a a costume that is in direct contrast to your personality. Uh, and it's yeah. like, mm, did you pick one that was in direct contrast though? Did you? That's why you love Lu- you know, you love Lucy um because, you know, she's always so confident about how nice she is even though she is so terrible <laughs> to to Charlie Brown yeah. and a lot of other people. I like that they redeem her. And this is end. where I believe this is where you get my favorite joke, uh, which is where Sally cuts two eyes in a sheet and then looks at it and goes, ah, <laughs> Oh, that's cute. Yeah. I forgot about that. Um, yeah. And of course the, the great uh, joke with Charlie. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. Before we even get to that, um, we, you know, we find out that Linus is going to miss everything. And they're all they're all talking yeah. about how he's gonna miss trick or treating in the party just to sit in his pumpkin patch. Is Linus taking me to the party? That stupid blockhead of a brother of mine is out in the pumpkin patch making his yearly fool of himself. Boy, is he strange! But maybe there is a great pumpkin. Every year, Linus misses tricks or treats, and then the Halloween party. He'll never learn. Do I get to go trick-or-treating this year, big brother? Sure, Sally. Oh, boy, oh, boy, oh, boy, how do we do it? All you have to do is walk up to a house, ring the doorbell, and say tricks or treats. Are you sure it's legal? Of course it's legal. I wouldn't want to be accused of taking part in a rumble. I love uh, Sally also asks, is trick-or-treating legal? And yeah. there was, they tell her, of course, no, it's fine. And she says something like, oh, good. I wouldn't want to be accused of taking part in a rumble, which is such a like <laughs> a 60s line, right? The, the concept of like gang warfare is a rumble. Like that's not a West Side yeah. story. Yeah. Uh, it's yeah. We don't use that lang- language anymore, but it's still funny every time she says it. And then we get kind of one of the more classic visual things from this, which is Charlie's costume. Uh, and he says, I guess I had a little trouble with the scissors because he's now cut out way yeah. too many eyes in his ghost costume. And I feel like this is a good choice. If you ever are like at a loss for like, what should I do for a costume? You can bake this. Yeah. A sheet with like 20 holes in it. Done and done. Yeah. 
Uh, and so I had a real rant. Like, I never thought about this before, at least not that I remember. But I was looking at it, and I was like, I was wondering if um, Ghostface, the, the, the mask from Scream, was, like, inspired by this. Because at one point, like, there's like almost two eye holes and a mouth hole that's like stretched. And I was like, wow, that looks like the scream mask. I like, I wonder if they were inspired by it. Well, I never thought of that. Um, I do have a nostalgic memory that goes with this though, which is, did you ever uh, make a, a costume yourself as a kid? I don't think I did. Did you? I did. And it was a ghost costume, which is where I'm going with it. So this was my version of this. I didn't cut too many eye holes in it. I didn't make that mistake. But I had this sheet that was like neon green. I thought it was pretty cool for like a you know a sheet ghost costume. And I was probably like seven, roughly what I assumed to be Charlie Brown's age. Um, I didn't sure. I didn't go nuts with cutting the holes in the eyes, but I did overdo it with the puffy paint. And I just <laughs> drew essentially with puffy paint all kinds of garbage all over it. I don't know what people thought I was supposed to be other than I guess a, gra- <laughs> a graffitied neon green ghost. It was terrible i i wonder if it's still in like my bedroom at my parents house tucked away somewhere if i could find that oh man put it on instagram if you can find a picture of that please post it oh i will yeah i bet it still fits too it was a big sheet so i can probably (laughs) wear it now uh save some money this year um so yeah this spoke to me uh so what's after this oh so uh we we briefly see snoopy and his so he's now dressed as a world war one flying ace which is another thing from yeah. the comics, which totally fits here by making it a Halloween costume. And he marches off towards his doghouse, and we'll get a little more of this uh, World War One stuff in a bit. Yeah, it's like he's like the weird sea story in, in the show. <laughs> but arguably the best part of the thing, in a way. Yeah. Uh, certainly. And the- then uh, I just love the... Oh, just I, you know, two phrases that we hear a lot in Peanuts, and we hear them multiple times, uh, but here particularly, blockhead and oh, good grief. Those are like our two like recurring bits. Not only recurring, but man, they call Linus a blockhead probably 50 times in this thing, and it's short. You know? Yeah. They they let him know they think he is a moron for (laughs) sitting there in the pumpkin patch. And spoiler alert, he is. Uh, They're right. I mean, yeah, he is. Um, All right. So. Uh, but we get to Linus is at his post in the in the most sincere pumpkin patch, and all the trick or treaters come up to him and try and convince him one last time to abandon this and come with them and enjoy Halloween. Uh, and they won't do it, but Linus talks Sally into staying with him. Hey, have you come to sing pumpkin carols? You blockhead, you're going to miss all the fun just like last year. Don't talk like that. The great pumpkin knows which kids have been good and which kids have been bad. You'll be sorry. Oh, good grief. He'll come here because I have the most sincere pumpkin patch and he respects sincerity. Do you really think he'll come? Tonight, the great pumpkin rises out of the pumpkin patch. He flies through the air and brings toys to all the children of the world. That's a good story. You don't believe the story of the great pumpkin? I thought little girls always believed everything that was told to them. I thought little girls were innocent and trusting. Welcome to the 20th century. All right, once and for all, are you coming or are you staying? We can't waste all night. And this is where he starts to tell her about you know, the the the, uh, the rules or the war for the Great Pumpkin. Yeah. 
And well, before that, so she starts to walk away with the group, and then she looks back, and you see these little hearts go around her. And like another thing I was thinking of when I was watching it was just like, oh, anime was inspired by this kind of stuff. Like, you know, when you see like an anime and like the, the hearts go around them when they're in love or their, their eyes, but I'm like, I bet this was the first kind of version of that or at least an early version of that yeah i mean it goes back farther than that i think in terms of like there's a visual iconography for classic cartoons that you know mm. i mean go back to our roger rabbit episode right you know um there there is a a way that cartoons have been doing this in the 30s the 40s um and they, so they're like yeah the characters having literal like hearts come out of them is you know that's a, a classic way of expressing a cartoon idea and i'm and, and i like that this um, they don't play with the medium of animation in this too much. It's not going for something that meta um, or, yeah. or that, you know, interesting visually. Um, but they do do a few of those things, which is like, oh, yeah, yeah. We're going to do a cartoon heart appearing above Sally. Uh, and yeah. so now we get to trick-or-treating and uh, Charlie does not do so well trick-or-treating. Yeah, then we get the rule of threes. I got a thing. I got a thing. I got a rock. Oh, and then a second time, and then a third time. It's the rule of nine. The comedy rule of nine. <laughs> uh, yeah, he gets. And I read something in Wikipedia, and I don't know if this is true, but they were talking about they thought, oh, it's really mean that Charlie Brown gets a rock. But if we do it three times, it kind of works, and it's funny again. Yeah. Um, which is and it's just so sad because like you know that the kids like shit on Charlie Brown, but it's like the candy theoretically is being passed up by adults. Like you're seeing it drop from an angle, like a taller person's doing it, and then you see a rock fly out, and you're like, an adult said candy for all of you except you. Yeah, you don't deserve candy, kid. Which yeah. maybe that fits more in like 1960s Halloween because like you maybe would be more likely to get stuff like that like even uh i think at the end when lucy's talking or, or sorry when sally's talking about what she missed out on she says like candy which is what we only get now and she says cook yeah. cookies and money and something else right like the pe yeah. people are giving other things away for halloween you know it's not all just candy which is like that's sacrilege to me like give me the goddamn candy yeah yeah yeah, yeah. we're here for one thing yeah uh, but now we get to... The uh, and then we get the Flying Ace versus the Red Baron. By the way, whatever happened to the World War I Flying Ace? Oh, he's probably getting ready to take off in his Sopwith Camel on the next Dawn Patrol. His mission is to find the Red Baron and shoot him down. Here's the World War I Flying Ace climbing into the cockpit of his Sopwith Camel. Contact, he shouts. Here's the World War I flying ace, imagining he's down behind enemy lines, making his way across the French countryside. And uh, I had to look some of this stuff up because I wanted to know, like, what, what are they referencing? So the Sopwith Camel is, I thought that was like a, like a named plane like the Spruce Goose or something. It's not. It's a, It was the, one of the most popular models of planes used in World War I. Oh. That's what the Sopwith Camel is. Uh, and you can tell how okay. like weird that is because even at one point, Charlie Brown, who's like narrating, he pronounced like the Sopwith Camel. Like he says it real weird. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, hard for, I'm sure, that seven-year-old actor to say. Uh, but the Red Baron, yeah. 
real dude, uh, ar- arguably the best pilot in World War One, uh, and mm-hmm. uh, yeah, shot credited with something like eighty kills in World wow. War One, but before being shot down himself, and uh, yeah, interesting, interesting sto- side story there. If you ever want to go read about the real Red Baron. Oh, maybe. Uh, so yeah. uh, and this was interesting because, you know, Snoopy doesn't talk, right? I mean, he makes these noises sometimes, but he doesn't actually speak. And they didn't know how they were going to do this sequence at first. And that's when, you know, they came up with the idea of like, okay, Charlie Brown's going to narrate it. Uh, which is like, you know, it very much gives it a different feel from the rest of, of the special of like, you've got this like almost documentary style narration going on with these real cool trippy visuals. Well, yeah, because in the comic, there wouldn't be those trippy visuals. You'd have Snoopy sitting on top of his red dog house with the scarf on, you know, um, and you'd have text or something that lets you know he's pretending to be a pilot, but they wouldn't have him doing like loop de loops and stuff like they have him doing here. And they use those watercolor backgrounds to great effect. I read that, you know, if you watch carefully, the scene, especially once he's on the ground, he crashes and he's like crawling through the French countryside that yeah. it's the only sequences that use linear perspective in the background, because otherwise everything's very like flat and 2D. And here they're like, no, we're gonna actually draw lines and things that go off into a three dimensional distance. So they, they, they oh, use, yeah, cool. they use slightly different visual iconography or language to get across this sequence. And it's like, I think it's the most fun part of it because of like you can tell like again bill melendez worked on fantasia right he's going to use these more dynamic things when he can even on a budget absolutely uh so uh and then we're uh, then we're back to the trigger treaters i believe yes they come back to check in with linus again uh you know i think i forget which one of them says it probably lucy but what a way to spend halloween and this is where Sally Sally jumps to his defense, right? Has a great pumpkin been by? <laughs> what blockhead sitting in a pumpkin patch in the middle of the night? You've missed trick or treat, and now you're going to miss the Halloween party. What a way to spend Halloween! <laughs> you think you're so smart? Just wait until the great pumpkin comes. He'll be here. You can bet on that. Linus knows what he's talking about. Linus knows what he's doing. All right, where is he? He'll be here. I hope so. I have my reputation to think of, you know. And just think of all the fun we're missing. Just look. Nothing but sincerity as far as the eye can see. You know, you'll be sorry. She gets real angry. And then the second they're out of sight... She turns back to him and he's like, you better not be, you know, fucking with me, Linus. It, not in those words. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like the classic political, like, ah, he, of course he's right. And they're out of the room. You better, I'm, you better not screw me on this. I vouch for you. Yeah. Um, really, really good. Because uh, it lets you know that, like, because they can, Sally can seem at times like she's, you know, a little too sweet, a little too naive and stuff. But here they kind of let you know that like, no, she's, she's very sharp. She, she knows what's going on. Yeah. Like when he says, I think little girls, I thought they believed everything they were told. They were trusting. She's like, welcome to the 20th century. Yep. (laughs) Feminist Sally Brown. Amen. Uh, And so it's party time. And uh, I like this visual gag. This is one of my other favorite jokes. And the thing is that, uh, they have Charlie model as the pumpkin without realizing it. They're drawing on the back of his uh, uh, follically challenged head. 
Yeah. <laughs> they never explain why Charlie Brown went bald as like a seven-year-old or whatever, or why Linus has such thinning hair. But, you know, it's visually fun. It's cancer. It's real sad. They didn't want to tell you. <laughs> um, <laughs> Good Lord. <laughs> this, this special's darker than I thought. <laughs> Linus, so not only does Linus have like wispy hair, he has like a lumpy, weird head. Like it's oddly shaped. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, it, it is. Yeah. I don't know what his deal is either. Um, so we get what they're, um, we cut back briefly to Snoopy trudging and swimming, you know, across the quote unquote countryside until he arrives at the party and, yeah. uh, Lucy goes bobbing for apples and comes up with a mouthful of beagle. All right. All right. Let's bob for apples. This is the way to do it. Yeah, Lucy, you should be good at this. You have the perfect mouth for it. Blech! My lips touch dog lips! Bach! Ach! Poison dog lips! Bach! Ach! Yeah, my lips have touched dog lips. Yeah. Bach! And this is again, like, Snoopy can't talk, but just doing this bit, it's like you, you know his personality. He's just trying to cause trouble. Yeah, yeah, it's great. Uh, and then Snoopy goes and prompts Schroeder, who we don't get a whole lot of here, but he, to play the piano. And has him play a whole yeah. bunch of World War One classic songs. So, you know, if, yeah. if, if a long way to Tipperary is your jam, uh, you're going to get it here. But that's not the best part of it, which is that he, Schroeder is like cycling between like upbeat songs and then really sad songs. And like Snoopy yeah. is like so in character as a World War One flying ace that like the sad songs bring him to tears. Yeah, and he goes like peppy and sad, peppy and sad, and then he gets out of there. <laughs> yeah, he's so um, sad and, uh, he wanders off uh, out of the house back into the pumpkin patch where Linus you know, hears the wrestling, believes the great pumpkin is upon them. We see Snoopy's silhouette boop, out of the yeah. out of the patch. Linus faints and then Sally is profoundly disappointed. I'd be waiting in a pumpkin patch on Halloween night. I'd have said they were crazy. Just think, Sally, when the great pumpkin rises out of the pumpkin patch, we'll be here to see him. What's that? What's that? I hear the great pumpkin. Treats come only once a year, and 
and miss it by sitting in a pumpkin patch with a blockhead. You owe me restitution! You heard about Fury and a woman scorned, haven't you? Yes, I guess I have. Well, that's nothing compared to the fury of a woman who has been cheated out of tricks or treats. Yeah, and I love the sound effect. When he faints, it sounds like like a, a dishwasher's fell off like a four-story building. Like it's so loud. Uh, and then you get that little, you know, the it's it, you know, as you said, basic cartoon stuff, but just like that fun like line of like dizziness that comes it's off like a of him as he's waking up. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And uh, I uh, and then yeah, he, she is pissed. I love Sally's monologue here. It's so good. And, like, she is so righteously upset. She says, I was robbed. She says, I'll sue. And then the best one, you owe me restitution. Yes. Do you know the, the story behind that? No. Uh, the little girl, well, there's two things. One, the little girl played Sally. Um, they had recorded some of her dialogue. And then her mom called Lee Mendelssohn, like, at the, at, like late at night and said, her tooth is loose. It's going to come out, like soon so they called the studio on a sunday and said we gotta get this girl's recording and because if she loses her tooth she's gonna have a lisp and it's gonna change dialing and everything we recorded is gonna go like it's gonna be useless basically so they brought her in to record all that uh and her tooth fell out like literally after the last line that she recorded uh but one line that they real problem with was restitution she couldn't pronounce it so they had her say re sti to and shun and then just jammed them together in editing, which is not easy to do when you're doing the analog sound editing that you'd be doing in 1966. So, yeah, I mean, yeah. It, it's not easy to take a bunch of syllables and make them sound like a word, even digitally. Like it still takes some work, but like doing it by hand, my God. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's a, it's a real challenge. And I, apparently I think I heard that story too. And that like when she did lose the tooth, exactly what they were afraid of happened. That she had this like monster lisp. And so they were lucky to get it all in under the wire. Yeah. A lot of luck. Uh, and then, uh, you know, she, she she's mad. And then, but Linus, he, he stays, he's so sincere. He stays all night. He's, he's not going to give up. Yeah. Yeah. Lucy. I mean, I'm sorry. Sally storms off and, you know, Linus is not deterred. Um, but then we finally get Lucy's redemption, which is kind of sweet. Like she wakes up at four in the morning realizes her brother is not there does not go and get her parents who again were raptured or something or kidnapped we don't know what happened to them. Um, so they're gone and um you know as a proper child of neglect does she has to take care she has to become the parent and uh she goes out she finds linus she kind of wraps his blanket around him and walks him back to his bed and even goes through like the length of like taking his shoes off for him and helping him in the bed yeah. which is like I like that they put this in there because generally Lucy is a pretty one dimensional character, even amongst the peanut characters. Like she's just kind of rotten and mean. So to give her this moment yeah. of like, oh, I'm, I'm going to help my brother out. Yeah, it's real nice. Uh, and then we, we, we end it with Linus and Charlie Brown on the uh, famous uh, brick wall, just uh, chatting about everything. Well, another Halloween has come and gone. Yes, Charlie Brown. I don't understand it. I went trick-or-treating and all I got was a bag full of rocks. I suppose you spend all night in the pumpkin patch. And the great pumpkin never showed up? Nope. 
Well, don't take it too hard, Linus. I've done a lot of stupid things in my life, too. Stupid? What do you mean, stupid? Just wait till next year, Charlie Brown. You'll see. Next year at this same time, I'll find a pumpkin patch that is real sincere. And I'll sit in that pumpkin patch until the great pumpkin appears. He'll rise out of that pumpkin patch and he'll fly through the air with his bag of toys. The great pumpkin will appear, and I'll be waiting for him. I'll be there. I'll be sitting there in that pumpkin patch, and I'll see the great pumpkin. Just wait and see, Charlie Brown. I'll see that great pumpkin. I'll see the great pumpkin. Just you wait, Charlie Brown. The great he pumpkin He says, uh, Charlie Brown says, I, I got a bag full of rocks, and the, uh, the pumpkin never came. And... He says something like, how could I have been so stupid? I forget what he says. Yeah. yeah. He says, you know, like, I guess we both felt stupid or something like that. And then Linus is not happy about that line. Yeah. Right. He's Stupid. Yeah. And he then, he didn't learn anything. He's, you know, he just goes back to ranting about, you know, how great the, the pumpkin is. And next year he's going to see it. And yuck. Um, there, there is, he's, we, we missed one thing, which is, you know, after Sally storms off, he says something about, if the gray pumpkin is coming and then he's like oh no i wasn't sincere Did enough I, I, I blew it yeah yeah because uh, apparently you know the great pumpkin is is sincerity he values above all so you know even one little slip up yeah, he's a cruel and vengeful deity the great pumpkin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean this is why you don't go in for religious fanaticism that's all well, you know, it's funny, and I don't know how much of this was played, but you know, I've I've watched a lot of cult documentaries in my day for some reason, and uh, there's any time that uh, a cult leader would say the end of the world's happening on this date, and then it didn't happen, they you'd think they'd lose a lot of members. They always gain membership, right? There's something about like, yeah, they were wrong, but we're going to believe harder, and so it's like it know, wasn't because the metaphor. It wasn't because this was bullshit. It's because oh no, we yeah. didn't believe hard enough. Right. Yeah, you gotta believe even harder for next. Time. Yeah, that's why it didn't work. You know, um, yeah. horrifying thoughts. Um, but fortunately, the Great Pumpkin is not a cult. It is a sweet Halloween special that, uh, and only one person we know of worships the Great Pumpkin, as far as we know. Yeah, and he's in all the other specials. He's pretty level-headed, so you know we all have our things. Yeah, I. So we've come to the end of it here, um, and I, it, you know, short episode, short you know, short subject here, but for as like small as this thing is, it is really kind of small, but mighty, right? This. Oh yeah. You know, it's an impressive amount of stuff crammed into 25 minutes. And I think honestly that that's a big part of why it's lasted so long, because like, I don't, there's, there's no, well, there's maybe one movie that I watch every Halloween, but then I always pick like five to 10 other movies that I don't watch every year, but I like because there's, you can only watch so many movies, you know, that are two hours long. But like, I always find time to fit this in the schedule. It's twenty five minutes. Like, this is easy to like. Oh, I want to watch this this year. When when is the time? I can put it in just about anywhere. Well, and you look at other uh, holiday specials, mostly again by volume, mostly Christmas specials, and you think of like the Rankin sure. Bass, Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer, or Frosty the Snowman. Like all yeah. these things are roughly a similar length. And part of that is because they were developed to fill a half an hour of network television back in the you know the sixties yeah. or whatever. But 
um, th- there's something about, you know, that this bite size and length of a thing that like, you're mm-hmm. right. Like there are plenty of Halloween movies to choose from. And I'm, I'll put a pin in that sure. for a second. Cause I do want to ask you what that favorite one was that you always watch. Ah. Um, but yeah, you, you can find time for these. You're right. There, there's something about uh, making this the ritual and not say like, yep, we're all going to sit down and watch a nightmare on Elm street again. Right. Um, yeah, you'll you'll yeah. cycle those. And, you know, they're always fun for yes. Halloween. But yeah, tell me what was the movie you were thinking of? Uh, the movie I watch every year without uh, hesitation is Killer Clowns from Outer Space. Ah. It's one of my favorite uh, scary movies. One of my favorite independent movies. You know, I just love it. Yeah, and uh, sadly for this podcast, we were going to cover that, but the strike has robbed us of that. So hopefully, next Halloween we'll be back with uh, next year. Next year, we'll, we'll we can do uh, an even more sincere podcast. We get the clowns that come out. So uh, yeah, yeah. I'm trying to think if there's anything. I think for me now, this uh, the the thing I will watch every year for Halloween is uh, the Disney uh, Legend of Sleepy Hollow. Oh sure, yeah. I fuck. I haven't watched that in forever. I should rewatch. Oh that yeah, time. hey, you got Disney Plus. I'm sure we all do. So yeah, go w- go watch it. It's a yeah. It's the it's technically under the name The Adventures of Ichabod and Mister Toad because it was uh, packaged with that Wind in the Willows adaptation. That's the that's the title you're looking for. If you're like, I keep searching Legend of Sleepy Hollow and it never comes up. That's not the title. Um, so ah. yeah, no, go watch that. It's it's incredible. I we did a p- episode of the old show, the a podcast, but evil Dan and I on the headless horseman. So we spent a lot of time talking about uh, the Disney adaptation in particular, which is, I think one of the best things in the, in Disney's library. It's uh, it's incredible, but uh, that's another thing for another day. Um, as far as this goes, any other like nostalgic memories of the peanuts you want to talk about before we bring this to a close? You know, as I said, I, I, I just, I, I liked peanuts in general. I think it was mainly, what I liked was the Christmas and the Halloween specials. Um, and I mean, I didn't dislike any of the other stuff. I just, I don't really remember it or rewatch it kind of thing. But uh, I, 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 again, I got to say, even before South Park happened, like this animation doesn't feel old. And now that South Park's been on for 27 years or whatever, it's like that was modeled after this. It's kind of like, oh my, it's like watching, you know, um, you know, version one of that kind of animation, but like the animation still looks good. And because of the jazz, you know, it feels, it feels timeless. And uh, like, I just like, I I'll rock out to, I mean, I learned to play Linus and Lucy on the piano was one of the first songs I asked my piano teacher to teach me back when I was taking piano lessons a million years ago. You know, it was just like, there's something so iconic about this that I just, it's not my favorite, you know, IP, it doesn't make me laugh more than anything else, but it's just comforting and warm. Yeah. That's not easy to play either because it's syncopated. It's, uh, it's a little tricky. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yep. Yeah. This is a kind of like animation comfort food for me as well. Like I'm, I'm not, like I said at the top, I'm not like the world's biggest Peanuts fan, but watching this just takes me back to being a kid. And again, it just feels like this is just an intrinsic part of my favorite holiday is like, Oh, we got to do great pumpkin. And yeah. you know, it's just, it, it's like the most welcoming thing you could think of to be like, okay, now it's time for Halloween season. Cause we're watching. Yeah. Great pumpkin. Um, so yeah, I think that's a, a good place to leave it. Um, Rich, if people want to find you, where do they find you? 
Oh, uh, find me on Instagram at Rich Baker Coaching uh, or richbakercoaching.com if you want to take an online improv class from anywhere in the world or if you're in the L.A. area, an in-person improv class. There you go. Uh, to do some admin on our side, of course, if you have uh, feedback and you have things you want to say about our recent episodes, which, of course, include Great Pumpkin, Charlie Brown. I believe the last episode you heard was uh, on our top 10 Queen songs. Uh, before that was, uh, let's see, we did... Uh, Oh, uh, before that was Uncharted, and before that, uh, Calvin and Hobbes. So if you have thoughts on those, send them in. As far as our next episode, uh, I'm a little far out over my skis in terms of the scheduling, but I know we're talking about uh, doing an episode on Resident Evil 4, which is a big old spooky game, uh, and got some other things in the works as well. So if you want to send that stuff, you send the feedback to On The Socials, we're on uh, the Graveyard, formerly known as Twitter, at Nostalgian Pod. We are also at Nostalgian Pod on Blue Sky now. We're over there. Uh, we're also Nostalgia Arcanum on Threads and Instagram. And again, uh, if you've got to go for one of those, go for the Instagram follow because I post bonus stuff there every week uh, and other things. So that's that's kind of the main place to follow us. Um, the other thing I just wanted to say again is thanks to everyone for listening. If you've been with us for, for this year, uh, if you're just joining us, uh, we love you. We appreciate you. And uh, uh, if you haven't yet, please do take the time out to go to wherever you found the podcast. Drop it a review because that helps other people find it. And, of course, uh, the other best thing you can do is just tell somebody. If you listened to it you loved it, send them a link. You know, Say, hey, go listen to this. I think you'll like it. Um, word of mouth is uh, probably the best way to grow the audience. So, um, yeah, thank you so much. And, again, thank you to you rich because again you, you've contributed so much to this show for the last year i'm a big fan i love being a part of it i'm honored all right so i think uh, that was indeed uh, nothing gets more sincere than that so uh we'll we'll call it here and uh until next time that is one more entry in the nostalgia arcana walks in the classroom cool and slow who calls the english teacher daddy charlie brown Charlie Brown, he's a clown, and then Charlie Brown, he's gonna get caught, just you wait and see, why is everybody always picking on me? Your childlike belief has brought me to life. I knew you'd come. I even baked you a loaf of homemade pumpkin bread. Oh, how delightful. Bread made especially for pumpkins. Hmm. Mm hmm. Actually, it's made from pumpkins. Uh-oh. Revenge! <laughs> <laughs>